This is uh, this is something he he put on my heart many months ago. It's just one of those things I just filed it away, and and um, I knew somewhere down the road, somewhere down the road, the Lord would bring it back to my remembrance. I really thought He'd give me some time to really work on it and develop it. I guess He did. He gave me several months and. I was too ignorant to realize that's what he was doing. I was, but um, but he was gracious to me. Turn with me to Genesis chapter eleven tonight. Genesis chapter eleven and verse number twenty-nine is where we're going to start. We're just going to read two verses of scripture here. Genesis chapter 11. I do want to say, I want to say thank you to all of you who participated in the service Sunday night at New Jerusalem uh, Apostolic Church. Every time I just end at New Jerusalem, I, my mind just goes to a different location. So I got I to gotta make sure I keep putting that Apostolic Church on the end of that. And um, uh, Thank you to, well, there she is in the sound booth tonight, Sister Goff, and uh, the work that she put into the choir and, and uh, all of the all of the singers and the musicians and, uh, and the saints of God for your response and your worship. And, and thank God, thank God for filling Bryson with the Holy Ghost on Sunday. God, thank God, thank God. And what a what a wonderful, wonderful time we had. I'm grateful, grateful, grateful for it. And so, for those of you who didn't know, you were on candid camera the whole night. Some of you don't even know what that is, but that's showing my age a little bit. Um, but I'm glad you didn't know. Because that way we just turn loose and worship. Don't worry about anything. Just have church. Genesis chapter 11, verse number 29. Genesis 11, verse 29. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah. The daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, the father of Iscah. Uh, I don't know why they don't just give them good common names like Jahim. I don't know. I don't know. He was explaining to me that night that's a Hebrew name. And uh, I said, well, it makes sense. Jah from Yahweh and Him from Elohim. It makes sense to me. So anyhow, um, verse 30. But uh, can we just call her Sarah? Is that good enough? You're good with that. Well, I am too. Sarah was barren. 
Sarah was barren. She had no child. Now, you know, it's, again, one of those times where when I announce my title, please don't try to, don't try to jump ahead and guess where I'm going and predetermine what type of message this is going to be. I want you to allow me, under the direction of the Holy Ghost, to uh, unfold it for you. Is that all right? Let's, let's unfold it together rather than trying to jump ahead and, and try to beat me to the punch. Um, but I want to I talk to you for a little while here tonight about barren matriarchs. Barren matriarchs. But Sarah was barren. She had no child. She had no child. Would you put your Bible down and let's lift our hands, lift our voices, and let's ask the Lord to talk to us for just the next few moments. Amen. Let's, let's ask him to help us tonight, Jesus. Help me to deliver the burden that's on my heart tonight, God. Would you help me to feed the flock of God tonight? Lord, they're your sheep. God, I want, Lord, to give them that which is spiritually nutritious to them. God, I want your word to be a lamp to their feet and a light to their path tonight. Use me, oh Lord God, I pray. Lord, we need you tonight in Jesus' name. Would you praise him one more time before you're seated tonight? Let's praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, let's really praise the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. God praise, God praise, God praise, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. I, I, I assume, I assume tonight that I don't have to give a lot of definitions. I think that, I think you can make the association. Most of you can. Um, you adults especially. When I talk about a matriarch, we often talk about the patriarchs, which which is from the Latin pater, it's, it, is, it, it speaks of father, and the patriarch would be the, like the, the founding fathers, all right? And so when we talk about the matriarchs, it is uh, from the same uh, background, and uh, mater is not, not, that's not Arkansas slang for tomato or tomato or whatever, um, well, it might be, but that's not what we're talking about. Um, but it, it speaks of a mother and uh, the founding mothers, all right? So, so I, I want to just, I just want to take you somewhere tonight. I want you to, 
I want you to feel the burden of my heart tonight. And I want to talk to you about something that I feel like God has talked to me about. And something that I feel like he wants to talk to this church about tonight. Amen. I, I want to begin. I want to begin with a statement that I know all of you are uh, already aware of. And that is that from the time that man fell, from the time of Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden, God made it known that he already had a plan of redemption. He made it known. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3 and verses 14 and 15. Read. And the Lord's, Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon the belly shalt thou go, and the dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Right. And I will put enmity I'm between going thee. I'm going to put enmity between thee and the woman. And now, now look at this, and we'll come back to this in a moment. I'm going to put enmity between thee and the woman. Read. And between thy and between seed and her seed. Thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy and head. It's going to bruise your head. And thou shalt bruise and his you heel. You will bruise his heel. And I think most of us know that in that moment when God made that statement, he was issuing the very first prophetic picture of the Messiah that was going to come that though the serpent though the devil was going to bruise Messiah's heel at Calvary that same blow that would bruise Messiah's heel amen that heel of Messiah was going to bruise the head of the serpent amen it would be Messiah that would come out on top of this deal Messiah was going to bring about redemption from the fall that the serpent had instituted in the garden with the very first man and woman. And so from the first sin which came through the first couple God announced that he had a plan. He was going to send a savior. God made a promise in the garden that he was going to redeem mankind. Well, hallelujah. But let me tell you, church, the plan did not begin when God spoke these words in Genesis 3. It's not that when God saw that Adam and Eve had sinned, that he said, you know, I better go back to the drawing board and figure out how to deal with this. God was not caught off guard by what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. God was not shocked, though the devil might have thought he really pulled a fast one that day. I'm going to tell you, you never get a step ahead of God. God already knew before they ever sinned that they were going to sin. And God already had a plan in place. 
This announcement in Genesis 3 was not the beginning of God's plan. It was just the proclamation of what already existed. And I'll prove that to you if you don't know that. And you should. You should. All of this really is just me doing what I told the preachers and, uh, and, and, and the others in our ministers class Friday night. Just stirring up by way of remembrance the things you already know. Yes, sir. And, and, and so you should, you should know this, that the plan of God didn't begin after the fall. It began long before man fell. In fact, it began before man existed. John chapter 1 now, we usually only read verse 1 because we like that really well, but we're going to read verses 1 and 2 because it, it just helps me to establish my point here tonight. John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 read. In the beginning, In was, the beginning the was the Word. Now, now, stop right there. I've explained it to this church time and again. Word is from the Greek logos, and logos is more than just something that's spoken. It's more than just a term. It's an entire concept. It is the the working, the completion of someone's will. Amen. It really is a plan. That's a good way of putting it. And so here's what we've got. In the beginning was the plan. Read. And the word was with and God. And that plan was with God. And the word was God. And that God. plan was God. Verse 2. And the same was in the beginning with God. How old is God? Well, he's always been. And let me tell you, just as old as God is, that's how old this plan of redemption is. As long as there's been a God, there's been a plan to redeem mankind. In eternity past, before there were angels, before there was anything but God, he had a plan. He had a plan. One day, I'm going to create mankind. And man is going to sin against me. But I am going to redeem him from that sin. Hallelujah. That's why, that's why Jesus is identified the way he is in Revelation 13, 8. Read. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Yes. Whose names are not written in the book of life uh-huh. of the Lamb the slain. The book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation, from of, the the foundation of the world. I'm going to tell you, amen, that's why he's called the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Because way back there, before there was an Adam, before there was the dust from which Adam was formed, I'm telling you, in the mind of God, there was already a lamb that was going to be slain to redeem Adam and to redeem Adam's race. This is what boggles my mind. That God knew full 
well the moment he scooped up a handful of dust. He knew this dust is going to take me to Calvary. But he did it anyhow. What I'm about to make is one day going to turn and spit in my face. What I'm about to make is going to drive nails in my hands. They're going to lay my back open wide and hang me on a cross. They're going to reject me. He knew that. He knew that. But he still made man. So in the beginning, God had a plan. It was there. God had a plan of redemption. He had a plan of redemption. Now, I'm not going to teach a lesson on the oneness tonight, though it'd be easy, but I think all of you understand that God, as a spirit, this plan involved the shedding of blood. And as a spirit, God didn't have blood. And so if he's going to fulfill this plan, he's going to have to take on a human body. So he's going to have to come to this earth. Now God, listen to me, the devil, the devil is not omniscient. The devil does not know everything. God does, but the devil doesn't. The devil has to figure things out. The devil's got to try to look at evidence and gather some facts and try to put things together. And this is important for where I'm going tonight. He doesn't just know. Now, I'm telling you, he heard what God said that day. The devil heard what God said in the garden. Let's, let's, let's go back and read it again. Genesis chapter 3. And verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. All right, so, so the devil heard that promise. Now, he didn't know what all that meant. You hear me? I, I don't believe, Brother Self, that the devil knew what this involved. All he knew is what God had spoken. And God said there's going to come a day that there's going to be a battle. And it's going to involve something that comes from a woman. And the child that's born of a woman is going to bruise your head. Now listen. And, and, and we've got to understand this. We, we can talk about how the devil hates us and the devil fights us. And, but, but look, you're really not that important. I hate to bring you that news tonight. But he's really not focused on you. His problem is with God. And what the devil wants more than anything is to discredit God. When God makes a promise, the devil makes it his business 
to thwart that promise. Are you with me tonight? When God said that day in the garden, the woman's going to have a child. And you may bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise your head. I'm telling you, from that moment on, I believe the devil started trying to figure it out. All right, where is this woman? Who is she? And what can I do to make God out to be a liar? I got to do something. I got to do something. Because if I can discredit God, nobody will serve him. If I can make God out to be a liar, nobody will live for him. You know, I could just throw this in free of charge. So I might as well. That's why he puts all the doubt in your mind when I start preaching faith and miracles. Because he wants to discredit God. He doesn't want you to believe God. He hates it when you believe God. It's another sermon for another day, and you will hear it. I promise you. But, but look, look at this. From the time that God announced the plan in the garden, I believe the enemy made it his business to try to stop that plan from being fulfilled. Now, he didn't know much about the plan. He didn't understand a lot about how it was going to be fulfilled. He just understood this much. Somehow, it's going to come from a woman. Read it again. Genesis 3.15, read it again. And I will put enmity I'm gonna between put thee enmity and the woman. Between you and the woman. You and the woman. The woman. What woman? What woman? I'm telling you, I believe, I believe he started looking. From that day, I'm going to wait and I'm going to see. If I can see, if I can recognize that God's got his hand on some woman, that God is wanting to use some woman, I'm going to do everything I can do. Oh, I feel this tonight. I'm going to do everything I can do. If I see the hand of God on a special woman, I'm going to do everything I can do. And he didn't know how or when this would happen. So he just started watching. He knew enough about God to to know that God was intent on fulfilling this promise. So he starts watching. And one day, as he's paying attention to what God's doing in the earth, He sees and hears God speak to a man by the name of Abram. And he said, come out of Ur of the Chaldees and leave your family behind and leave all of those pagan gods behind and come follow me to a land I'm going to show you. And I'm telling you, Brother Jared, I believe at that moment, the devil, whatever his ears looked like, they perked up. Wait a minute. God must be about to do something. 
God's calling a man to come follow him. God's got special plans for Abram. If God is going to do something through Abram, this might be where the plan is going to be fulfilled. So I got to do something to stop this plan right here, right now. So guess what problem Abraham has to deal with. Read for me Genesis 11 and 30. But Sarah was but barren. Sarah was barren. The devil said there, I fixed that problem. Ain't no child coming out of this woman. It ain't happening. I got this one taken care of. She's not going to have a baby. She's not going to bring forth the fulfillment of God's promise. I've stopped that. Well, that's what he thought. Until one day, he was eavesdropping again. And he heard a conversation. I got to hurry here. He heard a conversation going on between God and this man, Abram. And here's what he heard. Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. And he brought him forth abroad now, now, and look, said. Look, all these he's and him's, I'm trying to cut some verses out for time's sake. God brought Abram forth abroad, all right? And said, look now toward and heaven. God said to Abram, look toward heaven. And tell the stars. And tell the stars. If you, thou if be you able to able number them. To number them. He said unto and him, said, so, so shall, thy, shall seed thy seed be. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, wait a minute. The devil recognizes a, a term there he heard way back in Eden. Something is, is about to happen. Devil, he, he thought that he had stopped all of this, but God is now making a promise to Abram. And what happens in verse number six? Read. And he believed and in the Abram Lord. Abram believed in the Lord. And he counted and it to God him for counted righteousness. counted it for righteousness. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, God made a promise to Abram. Amen. And that promise that he made was really just a continuation of what he had said way back in the Garden of Eden. He's just saying, I said it back there and it's going to pick up right here. We're going to continue on. That promise may have taken years uh, to, to get to this point but we're picking it up now we're going forward with it right here we're going to continue what I said I would do amen it's going to happen now but listen to me church listen God didn't say this to Abram just out of the clear blue he didn't just one day call Abram out of the tent and say Oh, by the way, let me tell you, I'm going to fulfill my promises through you. That promise came as a result of something else. So this is Genesis 15, verses 5 and 6. So let's back up to verses 2 through 4 and listen to this. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? There it is. I'm going to tell you what happened. Abram said, God, I've got a problem. I don't have a child. 
And what are you going to do about it? I'm telling you, there was a prayer that went up. And that prayer, that prayer matched God's promise. And that's what God was looking for. God was wanting somebody that would pray the prayer that matched the promise. Oh, I'm feeling what I'm preaching right now. And Abram went out there and said, God, I I got a problem. I don't have children. We're not having babies in my household. I need you to hear me. The only heir that I've got is the steward of my house. Amen. And so he starts talking and listen to the conversation. Read. And the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Yes, read. And Abram said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed. given me any seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Ah, but listen, that moved the heart of God. That brings us to verse 4. Read. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. This is not going to be your heir. But But he he shall come forth out of thine thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And it was then that God said, Come on out here. Abraham let me show you the stars let me show you what I'm going to do here Abraham God didn't make the promise until Abraham prayed the prayer the devil thought he would stop the promise by making this matriarch barren but it didn't work so as you know Isaac was born now we got to cut ahead here we got to get we got to get this show on the road so Isaac's born he grows up he's 40 years old he finally decides to get married So, Isaac gets married. And let's look at this in Genesis chapter 25, verses 20 and 21. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife. That's right. So, listen. Quit worrying about being 30. I just thought I'd throw that in. I just said, all right, Quit being so impatient. Just, just, pastor's trying to help you now. Isaac was 40 years old. Read. And took Rebekah to wife, uh-huh. the daughter of Bethuel, the yeah. Syrian of Padan Aram, yes. the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Yes. And Isaac entreated and the Lord. listen to this. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife. Because she was barren. Wait a minute. We've known that Sarah was barren, but did you ever notice that when it got to the next generation, she's barren too. This is not an accident. This is not an accident. I'm telling you what's going on. The devil sees and he thinks this is it, this is it, this is it. 
Now, look, we know, we know Isaac was not the final fulfillment of the promise of Genesis 3. Right? But he was a part of it. He was a key element in it. Now, the devil's watching this bloodline. And he's watching what's going on here. All right, all right. So Isaac's born. And Isaac's 40 years old and he hadn't, he hadn't stomped on the devil's head yet. In fact, really, at this point, he hadn't done much of anything. I mean, not that we can read, honestly. He's just now getting married. And, and so the devil evidently had decided he's going to, just in case. All right, so it wasn't Isaac. Here I wasted all this effort shutting up Sarah's womb. And she wasn't even the woman in question. So I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just strike Rebecca. And I'll shut up her womb. And I'll keep her from having any kids. And God said, oh, no, you won't. And you know why God said, no, you won't? Because of the beginning of verse 21. Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife. God didn't just one day say, oh, yeah, I got to make sure she's going to have a baby. God waited until somebody prayed a prayer that matched the promise. When somebody prayed a prayer that matched the promise, God showed up on the scene and said, that's what I've been waiting on. That's what I've been looking for. Somebody that would rise to the occasion. Somebody that understood. I got plans. I've got a promise to fulfill. And I need somebody that knows how to pray a prayer that'll match the promise that I made. And so Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And what happened? And the Lord was entreated of him. Was entreated of him. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Look, we shouldn't be surprised that God responded to that prayer. I'm telling you, God wanted to respond to that prayer. God was just waiting on the prayer to be prayed. Oh, I feel this. So, so, Rebecca conceived. And we fast forward. She has two babies Jacob and Esau, twin boys. Now, Esau kind of shows which side of this equation he's on. Devil didn't have to be a whole lot, uh, didn't have to be real talented or real intelligent to figure out. You know, he, he didn't have to hire a private investigator to determine which side Esau was on. He's selling his birthright and he's going off marrying uh, pagan women. He, he sees it displease his parents so he's just going to go do some more of that and whatever whatever's going to make mom and daddy unhappy he's just going to make them even more unhappy 
And the devil recognized immediately. Okay, I, this one's okay. No way God's going to use this one. I don't even have to worry about him. So evidently, since it wasn't, it wasn't Isaac. And it's evidently not going to be Esau. I guess it's going to come through Jacob. So, so now look, Jacob, fast forward, gets married. And uh, he, he, he drives a bargain for one sister, Rachel, and, and uh, they have the wedding. And next morning, he wakes up. And um, he says, dear God in heaven, what happened? I can't fool around here tonight. Now, I got too much. I got too far to go. I got I to be careful. I think I've been to one. I got to be really careful. I got I to walk softly now. I got to walk softly. I think I've been to one singles rally. All the time I've been in the church, and that's because it was held at Elder McLean's church. I was working with him, and they needed an usher that night, so I had to go. I was already married. I had to go and serve as an usher. Now, if any of you single young people think this is the way to go, let me just tell you the one thing I remember about about that rally. The other man who was serving as an usher that night was also married. And at one point during the service, and, and as ushers, we sat back at the back door. And uh, at one point during the service, something was going on, and he kind of made his way over to where I was at. And he said, brother, when I look around here, he said, I call this coyote love. I said, coyote love, what's that? He said, you marry the girl. He said, you wake up the next morning, she's sleeping on your arm. You get a good look at her. He said, rather than wake her up, you just chew your arm off and leave. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting in trouble. I'm about to lose the anointing now. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But anyhow, anyhow, <laughs> Jacob, he says, this ain't, this, ain't, this ain't what I bargained for. And so... Father-in-law said, well, you know, we got these customs around here, and I can't let the younger daughter get married first, so, you know, you got to marry this one, then we'll give you the other one. And so he's got both of them, and, and I think most of us, most of us know, and, and we should know, if you've been in church or around church any length of time, you're familiar with the prayer that, that Rachel prayed. Um... And, and, and we know about Rachel's condition. In fact, let's just, let me just go ahead and, 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 and read, read for me Genesis 29, verse 31. Read what it says. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was but barren. But Rachel was barren. Now, now, I think most of us are familiar with the fact that he's got two wives here. And, um, of course, I mean, if you've got any question about 
having more than one wife and how the Lord feels about it, the scripture is very clear. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Yeah, I'm really about to lose the anointing here. Um, anyhow, so, so, so we, we know about Rachel being barren, and in a few minutes I'm going to read. We know the prayer that she prayed, I think. I think most of us are familiar with the fact that it was Rachel who, who went and said, give me children else I die. We're familiar with that, and we know the desperation that she had. We understand that. But, but let me tell you something. Rachel was not a part of the promised bloodline. Jesus was the lion of the tribe of what? See, Judah was not Rachel's baby. Judah was born from Leah. Now, I want us to look at the verse we just read again, and I want to show you something that I never saw until today. Read that for me again. And when the Lord saw, that, the Lord Leah was saw hated, that Leah was hated, he opened her he womb. He opened her womb. Now, wait a minute. If God had to open her womb, evidently she was barren. Evidently, the devil made sure. Jacob's got two wives here. I'm going to make sure neither one of them have babies. Now look, I can't, I can't prove to you, I can't prove to you what I'm about to say. This is my opinion, and that's all. But I can't help but wonder, because of two things, if Leah didn't also pray some kind of prayer. First of all, the Bible says when the Lord saw that she was hated. Now God sees everything. But something evidently called it especially to his attention. That's number one. Number two, get your Bible very quickly. Very quickly, get your Bible and open it to Genesis 29. Now, this is verse 31 that's on the wall. Genesis 29, verse 31. God opened Leah's womb. All right? Have you found Genesis yet? It's, uh, it's a few books before Revelation. Genesis 29 and, and verse 31 is what we have here on the wall that God opened Leah's womb. And then as you look down through verse 32, she has a baby, names him Reuben. Verse 33, she has a baby, 
names him Simeon. Verse 34, she has a baby, and she names him Levi. And then read verse 35. And she conceived again and bare a son, and she said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and uh-huh. left bearing. And she left bearing. So she had this son named Judah, which means praise, by the way, and left bearing. Now, something happens. This is the end of the chapter. I've told you over and over and over that it wasn't written. Divided up, right? So now we can go to chapter 30, verse 1. It's a continual story. It just goes on. What's chapter 30, verse 1 say? And when Rachel saw when that, Rachel she, bare saw Jacob no that children, she bare Jacob no children, Rachel, Rachel envied, her sister, envied her sister and said, and unto, said Jacob, to Jacob, Give me give children, children or else, else I, die. I die. I submit to you, evidently she's been sitting back watching her sister have babies. I don't know why she prayed this particular prayer, but I just kind of believe that maybe she had overheard Leah pray a prayer similar to that before the first was ever born and then the next thing you know her sister's having a baby and then another baby and then another baby and then another baby and she said look if God will answer my sister's prayer then God will answer my prayer as well I believe that the reason that God saw that Leah was hated and opened her womb, I believe somebody, somebody prayed a prayer that matched the promise. All right, all right, all right. I fooled around too much. Y'all are done with me. You're done with me. I fooled around too much. I'm going somewhere. I am not too far from the end, I promise you. See, all of this was about fulfilling a promise that God had made in the very beginning. A promise that he had designed before the beginning of man. But a promise he made in the beginning. Now, the devil watched it. And he didn't know what it would take. And I, I, I don't know at some point, and it may have been right here, he's watching. You know, he's with Sarah. He said, she's not going to have any kids. And she has one. But that one was a child of promise. That was always necessary. So he tries to stop Rebecca. And she has two. And God took one of those. The devil tried to stop his wives, and when time all was said and done, Jacob's got 12. You know, I, I don't know if this is what did it, but it just kind of seems like at this point the devil said, okay, I got to find some other way to stop this. This ain't working too well. I think I must have missed something in that promise. This ain't working too well. They just keep having more babies every time I try to stop them. So I better quit trying to stop them. And so I don't know, I don't know. But this much I know, hundreds of years passed. And one day an angel appeared to a young virgin girl. 
And God said, it's time. What I said was going to happen way back in the Garden of Eden. What the devil tried repeatedly to stop. It's time for that promise to be fulfilled. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And what does the book of John tell us in John 1 and verse 14? And the, word, and was the made word and the plan was made flesh. And dwelt among us. And it dwelt among us. And we beheld his and glory. And we beheld his glory. The glory, the glory as of the only of the begotten of the Father. Full of grace so and I'm truth. I'm telling you, when God got ready to fulfill his promise, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. No devil in hell could stop God from doing it. It took thousands of years, but God kept his word. But listen to me. In every instance where the devil tried to stop the matriarch, somebody prayed. Somebody got a hold of God and prayed a prayer that matched the promise. And God responded then. And so what about this one? This is the true matriarch. This was the fulfillment of God's plan of redemption. So what about Mary? Let's go to Luke 1. And I started to read a lot more. I knew I wouldn't have time. So let's just read what we've got here. Luke 1, verses 35 to 38. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall Here's come upon what's me. what's going to happen. The Holy Ghost is going to come on you. And the power, and the power of the highest, highest shall is going to overshadow you. Therefore also and that holy, holy thing, thing which shall that's be born, of, be born thee, of you is going to be called the Son of God. Now read on. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, behold, she has your cousin also Elizabeth conceived, has also conceived her a son age. in her old age. And this is the sixth, month, the sixth with her, month with her, who is who also was called Baron. See, I need a forerunner. I need a forerunner that's got to come. Amen. Before this one comes, that was promised too. That was prophesied too. And look at this. The devil tried to make her barren. But no, it didn't work for Elizabeth either. It didn't work. God still opened her womb Praise God. Amen. But let's get back to Mary. Read on. For with God, For with nothing, God shall be impossible. nothing shall be impossible. Now look at verse 38. And Mary, and said, Mary said, Behold thy handmaid of the Lord. The handmaid be unto me of the Lord. Listen, to listen, thy word. listen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. You know what she just did? She just prayed a prayer that matched the promise. The angel said, the Holy Ghost is coming, Mary. The Holy Ghost is coming. I got a promise for you. You're going to have a baby. He's going to be the Savior. He's going to be the Redeemer. And Mary said, let it be. Let it be. Let the promise come. Let the promise be fulfilled. Be it unto me according to your word. And when she prayed the prayer that matched the promise, God did what she asked him to do. And so, 
Here we are. Now, 2,000 years later. And again, there is the promise of a birth. Acts chapter 2 and verse 17 read. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, and I will wait pour a, out. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Does anybody, does anybody in this house believe we're in the last days? That was really kind of weak. I think some of you are kind of mulling it over. You're not too sure. So let me ask it again. Does anybody in this house believe we're in the last days? Well, I want you to hear the promise God made thousands of years ago. This is God's plan. This is what he said. This is what he promised in the last days, saith God. I will pour I out, my, will spirit pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream. I'm preaching true church. There's a promise. There's a promise. It's been waiting. It's been lingering 2,000 years. I wonder tonight, is there anybody that can pray a prayer? That'll match the promise. Oh, oh, oh. Look, in every case, there was one key. There was one thing the devil did not want to come into play. It needed a mama. It needed a mama. It needed a mama. God was going to be the father. God was going to be the father. But it needed a mama. It needed a mama. Church, I'm telling you what we're up against right now. I'm telling you the devil sees what God has said to the true church. And he said, no, no, no. I'm going to do my best to keep you barren. I'm going to do my best to keep you from producing. Oh, God, give us somebody that will rise up and pray a prayer that will match the promise. Now listen to me. Listen to me. And I don't want to kill what's going on right now. I want you to pray. I want you to pray. And and, and I think I think you know me. And I think you know there's not an arrogant bone in my body. At least if there is, I sure don't know where it's found. I, I, I don't want it to sound that way. But I think this church knows amen, the desperation that rose up in my heart. And I said, God, it's just been too long. And we haven't seen anybody get the Holy Ghost. Forty-eight 
days that I, I went without 48 days that I sacrificed. I said, God, I'm not letting go until you do something. I'm not letting go until you touch somebody. We watched God reach down. We watched God reach down. Amen. And bring somebody out of a deep, dark valley on that 48th day. I said, I'm not quite satisfied, God, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some more time. Uh, two days later, we came in on Tuesday night. God filled London with the Holy Ghost. Uh, 50 days, 50 days. God filled her with the Holy Ghost. But then, then we went from Tuesday night to Sunday. Nobody got the Holy Ghost Sunday morning. Sunday night, nobody got the Holy Ghost. We came back the next Tuesday night, nobody got the Holy Ghost. The next Sunday morning, nobody got the Holy Ghost. I'd already told my wife. I'd already told Brother brother Goff. I'd already told Brother Hilton. I said, I'm telling you now, I'm ready. I'm planning tomorrow. I'm starting another fast. I'm not letting this happen. I'm not going back. I'm not going to let us get to the place that we're going to start letting services go by and us not pray somebody through. You say, Pastor, it's only been a week and a half. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not going to let this happen. We're too close to the promise. I'm going to do whatever I've got to do. I told you. I told you on Sunday. I told you on Sunday. Did I? I said, I'm going to start a fast on Monday. And then Sunday night, we got over there to New Jerusalem Apostolic and we watched Bryson receive the Holy Ghost. Now look, I'm not taking any credit for it. I believe God just looked down and said, look, you've done your part. It's time now for the church. It's time for the saints. Somebody in the church has got to get this same desperation. Somebody sitting on the pew has got to get this same desperation. How many services are we going to let go by with no Nobody getting the Holy Ghost before something rises up in us and we say, oh no devil, we're not going to be barren. We're not going to be barren. I'll do it again. God knows I will. I'll do it again, Brother Goff, if I have to. I'll go another 50 days if I've got to. I don't care. I'll do it if that's what it takes. But I believe God is calling on the true church. It's your turn. Somebody has got to get this same desperation. Somebody's got to say, all right, God, here we are Tuesday night. Nobody's getting the Holy Ghost tonight. I don't like this, God. I don't like this. We got to have somebody pray through. Listen, this is not arrogance. This is not pride. But there have been multiple men that have stood behind this pulpit and talked about how God was going to use this church to bring about a revival that goes far beyond the bounds of this city. There are other cities that are waiting on us. There are other cities. In fact, there are other countries that are waiting on us. But somebody, somebody, not just the pastor, not just the preachers, somebody, there's got to be a saint. There's got to be a mama. There's got to be 
somebody somewhere that says, God, I'm not going to let it happen. I'm not going to let us go a week. I'm not going to let us go two weeks. God, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to get a hold of you. I'm going to go find a prayer closet. I'm going to push the plate away. I'm going to touch heaven. I've got to see it happen. Devil, you haven't won yet. Not one matriarch did you win. And you're not winning with this one either. You're not winning with this one either. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Is there a matriarch in the house? Is there a mother in Israel? Is there a mother in Israel tonight? God, give us children else we die. Give us children else we die. God, give us children else we die. Give us children. Give us children. Come on, saints. Come on, saints. We got to get a desperation about it. It's got to drive the sleep from our eyes. It's got to drive the hunger from our bellies. It's got to become a top priority. For as soon as Zion travailed, as soon as Zion travailed, as soon. That's all he was waiting on. I wonder at what point God might have given Sarah and Abraham a child. God was waiting on their prayer. I'm telling you, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. God's trying to find somebody to pray a prayer. To match the promise. God's calling on you, my friend. God's calling on you, my brother, my sister. Young person, maybe you're the key. I'm telling you, you can believe this or not. I, I didn't believe it when I was young. But I heard Elder McLean say, the older you get, the harder it is on your body to fast. I, my wife and I looked at each other. We just didn't understand that. We, could, we thought, surely at some point you get used to doing it. But I'm telling you, it's the truth. The older you get, the harder it is to fast. Maybe some of you young people ought to pick up the mantle. Maybe some of you young people ought to make up your mind. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to carry this before the throne. I'm going to push away the plate. I'm going to go until God gives us somebody. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to do whatever we got to do until God starts giving us children. Oh, come on. Let's lift our voices. Let's seek after God. Let's seek after God.